Time to Travel with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you and welcome to this week's edition of Time to Travel. On the show this evening, I'll be joined in studio by Monique Lamberg, who she recently visited Mauritius for the first time, had an absolute blast and decided to become a Mauritian for a day. Craig Moyes, Portfolio Director for Africa Travel Week and Read Travel Exhibitions will be on the line from London and he'll be giving us the latest on the upcoming Africa Travel Week taking place in Cape Town in April next year. And then Bruce Bennett, Bookings Officer for the Umgeni Steam Railway and Curator of the Enchanga Railway Museum and Station will be joining us and he'll be telling us all about their summer holiday special trains starting on the 8th of December and for all of you with children, there'll be a special guest on the train so keep listening for that. And just a reminder, if you need any information about something you hear on the show this evening, you can find it on Facebook, just go to Travel on SAFM. If you'd still like to contact me directly, you can email me on travel at safm.co.za. So that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, joining me this evening is Monique Lamberg, and she's just recently had the rather fabulous experience of spending a week <laughs> in Mauritius, and uh, by all accounts, rather a very different type of holiday to, I think, what she was expecting in certain aspects. <laughs> and I'm surprised she's actually made it here this evening, because uh, she I don't think she managed to cope with too much while she was there. I think she said to me, these hotels that offer an all-you-can-eat buffet, not a plan. Monique, hello, welcome to the show. Hi, Corinne. Thank you. Thanks so for the, having first me. Of all, tell me about this hotel with the all-you-can-eat all buffet. You okay. said not such a plan. First of all, it was my partner who won a trip, um, and we ended up going. This was the 1st of October. And, um, yeah, you know, you sort of go with these ex- expectations of everything being sort of so beautiful and really romantic, and you're going to be going for walks on the beach and seeing the stars and the moon and... Well, you get there, there are five restaurants. First of all, I'm not good at decision making. <laughs> Where did you stay? Which hotel were you at? We went to um, a resort called Sugar Beach. Okay, all right. And Heartworks is there's two resorts. There's La Pirogue and Sugar Beach. They kind of joined. And um, you can kind of sort of, you know, go between the two as far as the restaurants go, the beach goes, the bars go. So they gave you almost double the amount of choice then. They do. Oh, my goodness. Okay, all right. I understand your problem now. (laughs) Which is really not good for a Libra. Okay, so what happened? Uh, well, anyway, we got there. The, the The most awful thing was, you know, we the flight was only at uh, one o'clock in the afternoon from leaving from Cape Town Airport, and we got there at about must have been about nine o'clock. And um, but then you add the two hours. So by the time you get back to the hotel after the bit sort of you know bit strange uh, a taxi drive for an hour, which again is only about thirty or forty kilometres, but. Taxi drivers and bus drivers are either very fast or very slow. But anyway, it took about an hour. Got there and, you know, you're a bit disorientated. You don't know where you are and where everything is and where your room is. And it was about quarter past 11. Then you have about 500 people coming, you know, and saying, oh, my goodness, happy, you know, welcome. And um, this this is your breakfast menu and this is your lunch menu and this is where your room is. You just absolutely overwhelmed by the the hospitality it's it's actually like I say it's almost overwhelming you sort of get there and you're seeing stars already anyway we get down to our um, our beautiful beautiful room overlooking the beach and um, the first thing I say to Anton is we have to go for a cocktail I'm not going to bed without a cocktail tonight <laughs> so he says to me yes I agree so, sort of things are all sprawled over the room and everything 
and we start walking and we just hear these like you know noises and vibes and music and we end up at a place called tides anyway we have one cocktail and well that was me finished okay now i really have to go to bed been a very long day the next morning you wake up and they've got all the all the brochures in the room and um, I said to him, okay, just give me an hour. I need to go through these brochures because, you know, obviously you want to know where to go and what to do. And there's just too much choice. Too much choice, Karen, really. There's about five, six restaurants in Sugar Beach. And then there's another two or three on the other side at La Pirogue. And every day you sort of just, you're waiting for your next <laughs> meal. <laughs> Absolutely awful. But when you told me this initially, I did mention to you that nobody was forcing you to eat all that stuff, Monique. <laughs> Karen, you don't understand. It is seafood and it's crab and it's prawns and it's things that look so pretty you're scared to touch. It's just absolutely amazing. And there's just so many things you want to try because obviously it's all new and everything is done in such you know, in such a different way to what we used to. Oh, Corin, so anyway, it's sort of like lunchtime. Okay, great, let's go to Citronella. Or let's go, our favourite place was Tides for lunch. And then you'd sort of like, sort of stumble out there and go, okay, should we go for a fun boat ride? Or maybe should we go and just lie at the pool for two hours? <laughs> <laughs> because you're so full. And you start sipping on these gorgeous cocktails at 12 o'clock and basically you just sip right through the, you know, the day, right through till 12 o'clock and you just sort of on this mellow vibe all the time because there's just no limitations to anything. Now you're waiting for dinner. Yes, and then we're going to go back, you know, then obviously I need my two hours to get ready and put my special outfit on and my makeup and he'll sit outside and have a drink while he's waiting for me to do my thing. And then we'd, you know, then they'd have this amazing buffet at night. Also, just ridiculous amounts of, it's just ridiculous. It, it, you don't even know where to start. We'd actually sort of go into the place, we'd go down to the buffet and we'd go do a squiz around and then go sit down to think about it <laughs> before we even went back to the buffet. <laughs> but you also made I'm that... I'm being <clears throat> dead serious. But there were also theme evenings, which just made it worse. It was, yeah. First night... Okay, we arrived on the Tuesday. That was the night of the one cocktail and crash. The second night was an authentic Mauritian buffet. And it was just all just, wow, things that were so unusual. And everyone is just so friendly. And then everyone's got their little, um, you know, their little specific area. Like the one guy that's in, he's the chef for the, the meat. And then you've got the, the salad lady. And, and they're all standing there going, oh, you must try this. Oh, you must try this. Oh, you must try that. And I'm going, whoa. Actually, just this is just you know you don't even know where to go or what to do. They're just all so amazing, absolutely amazing. So the second night was Mauritian. The third night we decided to go early and have a very small plate of food so we could actually go have a dance afterwards and not go back to the room and pass out <laughs> from overeating. <laughs> I have to mention, before before people wonder about this, I have to tell you, Monique is this disgustingly thin person who apparently can eat all this stuff and doesn't seem to affect her. The rest of us, of course, would come, wouldn't even fit on the plane coming home if we had to eat like that. But, you know, one of those people that can just eat as much as she likes. Thank you, Corinne. Right. I don't think that's true. But it's anyway, perfectly true. Thank you. 
anyway, so Wednesday was sort of like, okay, we decided, no, it wasn't, it, it, sorry, it was the Thursday night. We decided just to have a little bit, and then we were going to go have a bit of a dance. Well, how did that work out for you? It was hard. <laughs> it was really <laughs> difficult. But we managed. We had a glass of wine, we had a small plate of food, and we actually went off um, to Tides to, to, you know, to, just to have a little bit of a dance and have some energy. <laughs> We met amazing people that night, some um, lovely English English couples. Then the next night was Friday, and they had a Lebanese. That was really interesting. It was really strange foods. I loved it. Anton was a bit scared by the look of a few things. I was going to say, it didn't sound like it stopped you, though. No, it didn't stop oh, me. Right. No, okay. it was mm -hmm. wonderful. Sunday was my birthday, so Saturday night we decided we were going to go out and have a little, you know, little party till 12 and then celebrate. So that night we decided just to stay at Tides and, and stay far away from the buffet. Sunday was my birthday. Um, I just had the most amazing day ever. In fact, it was actually my favorite day of the, all the six, six full days we had in Mauritius. I decided that morning I wanted to be a Mauritian for the day. So I said to Anton, you're going to come and be a Mauritian with me for the day. And he's like, no, you can actually do this by yourself because I'm going to go scuba dive and he's going to go do all his things that he's wanted to do and yeah, I wanted I, people to know that you did do other stuff other than eat absolutely you didn't there's just so eat. much okay. to do I think oh people are getting worried goodness. about this no. now you know there's so much everything's included I mean every day we made a point of doing something there's this crazy little boat called the fun boat it's like a mini sort of sailing boat and you sort of know need to know how to sail but but you don't have to and it it, it can be interesting then the one day we did the pedal boating, but what's amazing is the water is so shallow all the way to the reef, so you can actually get out. It, it's about, gosh, I don't want to lie, but probably a kilometer of flat water. It's almost like a big dam in front of the reef where the waves break. It's beautiful. And then you get out of the fun boat and you can see all the coral underneath and you can see the starfish and... Just absolutely gorgeous. On the Saturday, we went to um, a little town where we, we got onto a, a catamaran for the day. It was a catamaran cruise. That day, we spent the entire day on the catamaran and it was a fish fry on the boat and we actually jumped off the, off the catamaran and we snorkeled. Oh, and you see these schools of fish. Um, I just remember blue and yellow. Just thousands and thousands, blue and yellow fish, just absolutely amazing an amazing sight and you can actually see the bottom of the the water you know you can it's just colors and it's corals and it's big anemones and just too gorgeous for words then we were really spoiled because we had a, a school of dolphins oh that that, that, that is really special absolutely right next to the boat following us for gosh it must have been at least a half a kilometer and i've actually got loads of photos of the dolphins jumping out the water and showing off and doing their thing just magical absolutely magical as beautiful or if not more beautiful than you actually expect and the mountains you know it's it's at one stage I actually said to Anton we could be in Hart Bay there's a part of it that looks similar to with the mountains the mountains and the sea it looks similar to the Heart Bay Beach, not the beach, the actual, the actual ocean, the ocean, and and the mountains in the background. So he still laughed and he said to me, 
maybe you know, maybe people actually think we're in Heart Bay. We could have lied. We didn't have to spend. <laughs> we didn't have to. Well, we didn't spend the money because he won the trip. But um, you know, we you can actually do that if you go to Heart Bay, certain, take some pictures, and say, "Well, I was I'm in Mauritius." Telling you, yeah, certain directions. You know, it could have just been. It actually could have just been Heart Bay, but it it it's just. Amazing, amazingly beautiful. Now it's your birthday yeah. and you wanted to be a Mauritian for a day. <clears throat> so I decided, yeah, the Sunday morning we had a breakfast brought to the Obviously. room. Just a small one. Oh, okay. <laughs> All the tropical fruits. Um, and then I decided I wanted to go into a real Mauritian little town. I want to go see the real stuff, the real, the way they live. So I went to go ask a couple of the Mauritian um, waiters and waitresses and people we'd gotten to, we'd you know sort of gotten to know, and um, we met an amazing guy called Antish, and he said to me, "Go to, go to a place called Quatre Barns. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it because there's a huge Mauritian, authentic Mauritian uh, market there on a Sunday between." I think 12 and 5, go on the on the real Mauritian bus, you know, don't take the taxis. So I was like, okay, put my little summer dress on and my big straw hat and my glasses and off I go. So I'm standing outside Sugar Beach. And you're on your now. own at this no, point. No, 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 I'm totally on my own. I want to do this by myself. And Anton's gone off deep sea fishing or He's something. He's gone to scuba dive and fish and, um, you know, men are not sort of too keen on hectic markets. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> anyway, so I'm standing outside Sugar Beach, and there's about five taxis with, you know, the, the taxi drivers standing outside, very keen to pick up some passengers. So I keep getting, you know, these guys coming up to me, and they're saying, hello, madam, hello, madam, come, special price, special price. I'm like, no, I'm waiting for the bus. And he's going, really? Are you really waiting for the bus? I'm like, yes, I'm really waiting for the bus. But, madam, are you sure? I'm like thinking, what is he on about? <laughs> so eventually the bus comes and it's got a big sign outside. It says Quatraban. Uh, I get on and um, pretty much looks like a Cape Town Golden Arrow bus. It pretty much, as I'm thinking, oh, this is pretty okay. I can do this. Get on and there's about three people at the stage. There's the bus driver. There's the man who, who uh, you know, goes around and takes the money and does the, all the tickets. Um, he's got this, like, really punky short hairstyle, and he's he's got a cell phone sort of attached to his head somewhere, not in any way that we've seen before. And we start just going at a normal pace. Um, then we reach a little town called Flick and Flack. Gorgeous little town as well. We could have actually walked there, but um, that day, obviously, I didn't. And he stops outside in Flick and Flack. There's... The resorts and Flick and Flack beaches are sort of all interconnected. But outside Flick and Flack, there's all these little stalls and people sitting outside drinking the local rum. And it's it's really vibey and it's just got this amazing electric atmosphere. So we stop. This was our first stop. Stop at Flick and Flack. It says bus stop and also obviously bus stop in French, whatever it was. This guy gets out the bus. This is the driver now. This is the driver. He gets out the bus, pushes this huge heavy door that's creaking and cranking, jumps down, and I'm thinking, okay, um, obviously they're changing drivers, or maybe he's just sipping off to the loo, or 
he goes to this little shack on the beach. We can see it from the from the bus. It's a burger and a burger and 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 a chip joint, a sort of you know like a takeaway place. He buys this huge lunch in a polystyrene takeaway dish. He sits down on the brick wall and he takes 25 minutes to eat his lunch while all his passengers are waiting on the bus. So if you, if you catch now, a bus here in South Africa, do not ever complain the bus <laughs> takes too long to get somewhere. Honestly. Never. But I'm now sort of thinking, I've got four hours for this market. If this carries on, this is apparently an hour, 50, minute to, 50 minutes to, to a 60-minute trip. Might I add for about 25 kilometers? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I've been told. But you hadn't factored in the lunch but break. Now I'm panicking because I'm thinking, well, by the time I get there, am I even going to have time to shop? So I'm now sort of contemplating, should I get off? Should I get on? Should I get off? Maybe I should just walk back to the hotel. But there was, Maybe you, you were the only passenger at this point. There was no. a little man on there with <laughs> you as well. There's about five passengers at this stage, and there's this little wrinkled old Mauritian man sitting directly in front of me so I'm really I'm honestly not knowing what to do now because I'm thinking okay this is just really not going according to plan so I tap him on his shoulder and I go excuse me um yes very quiet obviously couldn't you know speak English very fluently um I said excuse me is this normal so he doesn't say much and he just shakes his head and he goes um yes so I'm like, okay, well, guess I just have to be patient then. Anyway, 20, 25 minutes, the man hops back on, and we carry on with our trip. Well, Karen, I'm, I'm telling you, it must have been, this guy must have been going, I don't want to exaggerate, but about <laughs> 40 kilometers an hour. If, but you tell me if, if they, they if stop every how many feet down the road, meters down the road? And every 500 meters, there's a bus stop. But now these people start piling on, and you think, is there another level to this bus that I just never noticed? Because <laughs> I'm seriously thinking, I, I don't know, maybe racks at the top. Or you wanted to be a Mauritian for a day. <laughs> um, you know, no sympathy here at all. Not at all. Anyway. But at this stage, I'm quite enjoying it. And I'm thinking, if I get to the market, it's fine. And if I don't, actually, this is fine as well. You've I'm, had quite an experience. I'm kind of, kind of getting into this whole thing. Anyway, 500 meters, we stop. 500 meters, we stop. And the people are just piling on. We get to a little shopping centre. Actually, there was a pick and pay, which I was quite amazed Gosh, by. Okay. Pick and pay. So you might and have very well been in Heart Bay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I could have been. <laughs> I absolutely could have been at this stage. Anyway, so this is obviously one of the main pickup points. And he stops outside this little shopping centre and... Um, about another 20 people climb onto the bus. No one's getting off at any point. No, 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 no. Oh. No one's getting off. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that there's like this, you know, beautiful destinations that everyone's going to or they're either going home after work. At this stage, just completely clueless. Anyway, so we sort of go around the, 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 the shopping center and all of a sudden, it's, it's like literally all of a sudden, you just see, you see nothing. You just see cane fields and sort of, you know, just... Everything's rural all of a sudden within like two minutes of the journey. And does this bus take bus driver take off? So he suddenly found the accelerator. No, 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 he has now found the accelerator. And I don't know if he's trying to make up lost time. 
but I am now really, I'm breaking out in a sweat and mm. I'm holding onto the rails and I'm just thinking, I, I, I actually, actually I'm not thinking, I don't know what to think at this stage. And I'm sitting there and you're literally sort of like falling from one side to another and I'm holding my bags and it's going, you know, it's, it's, it felt like a roller coaster ride. It was actually really, really, really quite, quite, a, you know, sort of your, got your adrenaline going. So anyway, after about two minutes, I'm thinking, my God, is, is he, is he late for something or is he, you know, is he just all of a sudden, is he, is he okay? Did he maybe have a beer or two down there on the beach? I wasn't quite <laughs> sure. <laughs> And it's only kicked in now because you've been like, going for a while. Okay, after the beach situation. Okay. So this little man is sort of bobbing around in front of me in the seat because he's so tiny and thin and old. <laughs> so I again knock him on the shoulder and I say, um, "Excuse me." He turns around, smiles at me with his about two teeth left in his his mouth, and I said, "Is this normal, Corin? This is when I just I just this was the point where I was just so happy I did." what I did. He turns around to me and he says, Oh, madame, sometimes fast, sometimes slow. You'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is, this is just the beginning of a really, really exciting adventure. And so off, you know, off we carry on going like lunatic, like a lunatic. <laughs> You know, you sort of like, you know, on those cartoons where you see the... The, <laughs> the road the runner, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> sort of like <laughs> bending over to as the bus is going past. This is how I felt. <laughs> Eventually, it did take about 50 minutes. And um, we got to this place called Cotrabans. And now I'm sort of quite nervous because I'm thinking, I see this market, but it just goes on forever. And, you know, you just don't know where to enter and you don't know... You, anyway... We get there, I get off, and this sweet little man sort of says, come, come. And I'm thinking, come where? And he very sort of like, I'm walking behind him, but he's walking really fast. And I'm sort of trying to keep up with him. And I'm walking behind him. I'm thinking, where's he taking me? Shaman, really, really, really sweet. He takes me to the entrance of the main market. And then he goes, goodbye. And that <laughs> was it. <laughs> that was it, Karen. So was it worth? I mean, you obviously it made it. The market had been closed by uh, that point. You know, it was actually it was about it was about hoppers three, so I had a good hour and a half of market time, which I was really happy about. And then the market was just absolutely oh, just it's just beautiful. You you don't even know where to start. It's just these tiny little Mauritian men sitting with silk rolls of material behind them, and these little Mauritian ladies. Most of them are Hindus, so they've you know they've got the bindi, I think on their foreheads and then you've got the next stall where it's all sort of younger Mauritian guys and they do all the handcrafted wooden little boxes and uh, the dodo bird which is the extinct bird the mm. extinct but it's the national bird of Mauritius so you just you, you you've got from little stalls where they've got all the wooden the wooden handmade crafted little ornaments and then you've got the materials and then you've got these strange strange food stores where you just don't even you don't go near I just thought no I'm not, I'm not even trying those things because I was you, know, you don't even know what half of them are but if they'd been on the buffet and you would have given it a shot <laughs> probably <laughs> <laughs> probably <laughs> oh my goodness and 
The most amazing thing is I honestly did not take a lot of money to spend. In fact, quite honestly, I only took a thousand rand because I knew everything was all inclusive. Um, and a thousand rand equates to about just over 3,000 Mauritian rupees. Well, Corin, I needed extra seat when I came back from this market. I had so many things. I, I honestly did. It was just, I was, I was so pleased with myself. <laughs> I was so excited. Yeah, and then at about 10 past five, quarter past five, they all start packing up. And, but everyone is just happy and they've got smiles on their face and they're warm and just what beautiful people. What beautiful people. You just feel so, you know, just so welcomed. I know you were um, very excited before you left about going. Did this meet your expectations? More so, was it more? More, more, than, so. more so. It's more beautiful. Honestly, I think it's, it's the actual Mauritians that make it, though. They are such hardworking people. Nothing is too much work for them. Nothing is too much for them. And then the best part of my day was still, was still to come. Anyway, we took a, we obviously had to take a bus back. About quarter past five, I, I jumped on the bus again. And I still thought when I got on, I was, I was the only person, but obviously I'm sort of, you know, a Cape Tonian. I'm jumping on and, you know, thinking it's now going to leave at 20 past because that's what they said. Well, <laughs> it, it only left about 25 minutes later. And it was so full, it was crazy. You have this local bus. You have this, it was the same driver and the same ticket man with this cell phone hanging in a really odd, bizarre way off his ear with some string or something holding it. It was really strange. Um, the bus driver, thank God he didn't stop for afternoon tea. I was about to ask. We went straight back quite slowly and he sort of did a bit of few, few fast stints, but not as bad as on the way there. But the weirdest thing to me was after about 10 minutes, he'd sort of collected everyone from the local little area. And he puts this loud, loud techno Indian music on. Karen, it was like a disco in a bus, a nightclub in a bus. <laughs> You've got these Mauritians, they're all, 90% of them are Hindu, so you can imagine pinks and blues and bindis and kids running around, they're laughing. And you've got this Indian music banging away, you know, in, in the bus and this guy going crazy through the cane fields and it's just... It's not going to happen on a Golden Arrow bus in Cape Town. Let me just tell you that was, up front. It was wonderful. It was, it was wonderful. Anyway, I eventually, I actually got back to Sugar Beach in one piece with my thousands of packets of Mauritian items. When I got back, I, I, walked, uh, I walked back to the room first. And Anton was sitting on the little patio having a drink waiting for me. He looks at my watch and he says, where have you been? I've been so worried. You know, because now it's quite late. I said the, it ends at five, but not knowing it takes another hour and then it's, you know, stopping a thousand times. Oh, and I forgot to mention all the houses on the way in between Sugar Beach, the resorts, and, and the market Quatrapans. The houses are all just colours, colours. There's, there's turquoise houses. There's it's pink like... houses. They park their car on their patios. <laughs> I promise you. And you have these little Mauritian boys outside on their little lawns, which are not very neatly manicured, playing with these big wooden balls. And everything is, it is very third world, but it's, it's 
beautiful at the same time. So the color is very much like the Burkhop here in Cape Town. It's that like Burkhop. It mm. gave me a, a Cuban feel. That's the oh, feel right. I get. Okay. I felt like I could have been in Cuba that Gosh, day. Gosh, you were first in Half Bay, now you're in Cuba. <laughs> you were actually in Mauritius with the buffet tables you, you and the buses. You know that. Okay. Right. <laughs> Oh goodness! So it was a, it was really, it was a wonderful experience. And you know, everyone goes, don't go into the other side because it's, it's dirty and it's, you know, it's crazy. It's nonsense. It's, it's you actually have to do it to be a Mauritian you for a day. You actually have to be a Mauritian for a day because the beach is all very well. It's fabulous, but, but it it's, is, that's not but it's authentic not, Mauritian. It's not real. Mm. You walk into the resort and you actually you realize that this is just it's all just for tourists and to obviously. You know, to bring in money for the country. <laughs> oh, Karen, it was just, it was wonderful. I was in a total high when I got back from this whole experience. And then the night ended off absolutely beautifully where we went to dinner. We went to buffet. <laughs> oh, gosh, I would never, <laughs> never have thought of that. Okay. Myself and Anton went down at about, um, about half past seven that night. And it was actually my birthday that day, as I've mentioned about probably a thousand times now. And then they bring us a big chocolate cake to the table with all candles. And it says, happy birthday, Monique. And they all stood around and sang happy birthday. And it's, they just absolutely amazing and eventually after dinner that night when we went back to our it was, it was actually sort of like not a room it was it was an area where you have your own almost little apartment mm. onto the beach i got back and the entire room had fragipani flowers everywhere there was barely a surface you could see Corin, it was... Oh, the smell must have just been amazing. Oh, it was just beautiful. It was just bright pink and yellow and white fragipanis everywhere. All over the beds, on the floor, all along the headboards. And a big note saying, Happy birthday and hope you've had a wonderful day from all the Mauritian staff. And just they just make you feel... They actually make you feel like you're the only person that's staying there. It's honestly beautiful and there was one other thing that was really special I, I mentioned the the head waiter Antish mm. he actually bought me a personal present it was a a clay it says welcome on it you know one of those things that you hang outside your oh, right outside on, your, on, by your front door by your front mm. door owls and sort of leaves and everything and it says welcome and then he just he wrote a personal note saying how wonderful it was to have us there. I mean, I just thought, my God, have I made an impression? Or well, probably you sort of increased their sort of you know, having to buy in more local produce because of your forays onto the buffet table. But uh... it was just a, it was one of the nicest birthdays I've had in a, a long time. It was very special. The days go too quickly, you know. You sort of mm. blink your eyes, and then it's Monday, and we were leaving on the Tuesday, and then you have to get back into sort of reality again. Sounds like you had a fabulous time and um, hopefully the listeners will enjoy hearing about your adventures oh, in God, Mauritius, so. being Mauritian for a day. <laughs> and it sounds absolutely fantastic. Monique, thank you so much for coming to tell us about your trip. Oh, pleasure, Corrie. Really enjoyed chatting with you. I was chatting there with Monique Lamberg, who, as you heard, has just come back from a fabulous time in Mauritius. And uh, if you enjoy the kinds of things she did, it obviously sounds like the thing you need to do. It's not that far from South Africa. It doesn't take you that long to get there. And... Um, as she said, most things are included. There obviously are certain water sports that don't come with the package deals. But uh, if you enjoy sun, sea, food and um, water sports, <laughs> definitely the place for you to go for a good, relaxing holiday. SAFM brings you live, interactive, topical news 
from current affairs, global warming debates, women's issues, to interviews with top literary connoisseurs. To join our conversations, visit our website on safm.co.za. Follow us on Twitter at SAFM Radio or simply like our Facebook page, SAFM Radio. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. SAFM is your radio station, so we want to hear what you have to say. We value your inputs and opinions on our programming. The format works for me well. In fact, my day won't be complete without SAFM. And why have you got a SABC representative on that program? It's, it's for editors. Not SABC reps. I love these signing programs. I love hearing everybody's comments. You know, it seems that SAFM is becoming the voice of the dominant global elite, you know, not the ordinary uh, man in the street. I think SAFM is doing a pretty sterling job. Email us, jozi safm.co.za. Fax us on 011-714-5829. Or comment on our Facebook page, SAFM Radio. Thank you for taking the time to provide us with your feedback. This will be carried forward as we think about the future of SAFM's programming. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Just when you think you missed that one conversation in that one show? No, you didn't. Catch it once again on overnight 12 midnight to 4 a.m. Here yeah, with, with me, Nayel Pondra. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, you've heard on the show before about the Omgeni Steam Railway, and they've got some fabulous things coming up for the holidays. It's their summer holiday special trains. They start on the 8th of December, and I'm going to be speaking this evening to Bruce Bennett. He is the bookings officer for the Omgeni Steam Railway and also the curator of the Inchunga Railway Museum and Station. Bruce, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hello, how are you? Well, I'm very well. This is all rather exciting. The summer holiday special trains, and there's going to be a special guest on all the trains until the 22nd of December. We've got Santa Claus on the train until then. So what is actually happening? In the, oh, we've heard before the trains run from Kloof to Inchunga. Is this going to be the same route again for the holiday specials? Yes, we run the trains from Kloof to Inchunga return, and you have a stopover at Inchunga where you can enjoy a picnic and a craft market and the museum. And so just tell us dates and times and all that sort of thing so people want to book, Bruce. Okay, right through until the uh, 5th of January. We are running every Sunday. Um, We are running at our usual times, which is 8.30 in the morning, leaving Kloof Station, that is, and 12.30 in the afternoon. And then we are also running some specials at 5 in the evening, and we're also doing Saturday afternoon runs, uh, which will be a tea time train. We're calling it a tea time train, uh, leaving Kloof Station from three o'clock in the afternoon. And um, you can get a full schedule off our website. Okay, but also we mentioned that there was going to be the special guest, or Santa Claus, or Father Christmas is going to be on the trains. But also, yes. I think it's the it's the fifteenth of December. You're also having a carols by candlelight on the train at five o'clock. That should be wonderful. That's correct. It's usually very festive and already the bookings are coming in fast and furious for that one. So if you want to be on that train, you'll have to book early. And what are we talking cost-wise here, Bruce? All right. Um, Our children, which is between the ages of 2 to 12, is 130 rand. Pensioners as well is 130 rand. And uh, adults are 170 rand. Children under 2 go free. 
Okay, so just is that just tell us about the the day. I mean, they're going to be traveling through the Valley of a Thousand Hills, which is the most scenic, wonderful part of KZN. So it's a it's a real bonus to be doing this on an old fashioned steam train. That is correct. Yes, for, for part of the trip uh, from uh, just outside Hillcrest right up to Bofors Hill. You're actually traveling um, on the side of the Thousand Hills, looking down into the valley. And uh, it is a beautiful sight to see. And this is all part of the Railway Society of Southern Africa of Natel, the preservation group. This is what they do every week, putting on these trains now, so people can enjoy. It's almost days gone by on these steam trains. That is correct. Just to, just to correct you there, our normal uh, running is uh, out of season is the last Sunday of each month. And Gensteen Railway is associated with the Railway Society of South Africa. We, uh, we're part of them. So it's once a month, basically, in your off-season. So, But people have got loads more opportunities now over these holiday seasons now because you're running Correct. every weekend. And I see there's even one on, on a Monday, Monday the 16th, a public holiday. You're doing the two trips on that day as well. So there's a lot of time if people haven't been able to get on the train because it's only been once a month. And from what I hear, it gets quite full quite quickly. Um, they've now got lots more opportunities to go and take the kids and have a fabulous day. That is correct, yes. And bookings are essential because it is becoming very popular and usually we fill up in the week that the train is going to run. So not to be disappointed, please book early. Right, so when they get to Inchunga, as they say, you say the museum is going to be open on the day as the train is running as well and it's also open every weekend, every Saturday and Sunday anyway? Yes, it is. Um, you can drive up to Inchunga from half past nine in the morning to half past two in the afternoon, the museum is open and the tea garden is open as well where you can enjoy a cup of tea or coffee or toasted sandwiches or even a breakfast, which is very popular. And I can take you on a guided tour through the um, museum as well as the station and our rolling stock shed where we do our maintenance to our rolling stock like the locomotives and coaches. But this doesn't happen on the train days? No, it doesn't. For security, uh, safety reasons, we're not allowed to do it. Okay, so if, you, if you're wanting the tour, you need to go up on a day when it isn't a train day. Correct. Okay. Yes. And any, then any Saturday or Sunday. Yes. And then also on the last Sunday of the month, except in school holidays, the Inchanga Choo Choo runs. That is correct, yes. That's the Inchanga Choo Choo uh, runs on the last Sunday of the month, yes. Gosh, so there's a whole lot of uh, stuff going on up at Inchanga that I'm sure a lot of people didn't realize was happening up there. Yes, correct. Yeah, we, well, we we're trying to improve things up this way, and we keep adding things to attract more people to Inchanga because it is a very historical site. Inchanga was established in 1892, and the buildings here around the station, including the station, was built at that time. Gosh, so there's a lot of history up there as well. So the tour would be wonderful. Right. That is correct, yes. There's a lot of history around here. So if you didn't know before, in Changa you can go up on the train, there's the choo-choo on the last Sunday of the month, they've got a community craft market, there's the station museum, there's a tea garden, you can go and have breakfast up there. It sounds like somewhere you could actually go out and make a day of it up at Inchunga. A lot of people do nowadays. The museum has been open for three years now and as it's been going, it's been increasing in popularity. And uh, a lot of people do make a full day of it, come up here, have a look around, even just um, have a picnic under the trees and that sort of thing. Even though the train's not running and the craft market's not here, but they come to the museum, enjoy that, and then go and have a picnic downstairs 
or even have a breakfast and coffee and stuff up at the at the tea garden. Sounds like a wonderful new destination for people to discover. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And hopefully your trains plus Father Christmas will all be busy and full over the holidays. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. Thanks. And I hope to see you all on the train someday. Well, I'm sure we all will be up there as soon as we can. Bruce Bennett is the bookings officer for Umgeni Steam Railway. He's also the curator of the Inchanga Railway Museum and Station. And if you'd like to find out more about the train or about booking for the train or paying for your trip, and if you want to go, I suggest to do it pretty soon, you can have a look at the website. It's www.umgenisteamrailway.co.za. Or you can contact Bruce on 087-808-7715. Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, coming up in Cape Town from April the 28th to May 3rd next year will be Africa Travel Week. And joining me on the line now is Craig Moyes, and he is the Portfolio Director for Africa Travel Week. Craig, good, good evening. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So Africa Travel Week, focusing very much on Africa as pretty much a new player in the leisure market. Tell me a little bit about the importance of Africa in this particular market. Well, it's not a particular market. It's leisure, business and luxury tourism sectors. But, you know, Africa has been one of the major markets for the U.S. and and U.K. and some other countries uh, in Europe for some time. But interest is growing, I think, and and the world is uh, is watching developments, a lot of focus on environmental issues with regard to tourism in Africa, and lots of cultural and and, uh, unique wildlife and safari options. So, you know, it's it's been a market which is of interest uh, for some time, but I think that's just becoming uh, heightened and and, uh, increasingly there are more arrivals um, into Africa. I think uh, the statistics for last year for 2012 show that Africa as a continent hosted 52.5 million international arrivals, which is about 5% of the world's total. And this, and, you know, this is predicted to arise to 7% by 2030. And, you know, organizations like the UNWTO are reporting growth in inbound and outbound tourism. And some African nations are expected to grow an average of an annual rate of of nearly 6%, highest of any world region. So, you know, the eyes and ears of lots of the tourism uh, regions around the world are are on Africa. And uh, Africa, we think, deserves to have an event or three events like the ones we're putting on in Africa Travel Week next year. Now, Africa is, is a large continent, and I'm assuming that the countries near the top end of Africa, which are closer to Europe, would be much easier to reach for tourists. And us down here right at the very bottom in South Africa, we are really a long-haul destination. How do we actually fit into this whole plan? Do You, you talk about the increase in the number of tourists, but are they looking at long-haul destinations? It's a long way to get to us. Yeah, that's true. But I think from from Europe, first of all, Africa in terms of time zone is fantastic. There are very little time zone differences. So as a destination, that, that's one thing which is in the whole of Africa's advantage. I think the North African nations have a different offering from some of the sub-Saharan and southern African countries. You know, some of the North African destinations have for a long time been destinations of the European, frankly, for the sort of beach holiday market. And obviously France, uh, France outbound market into some of the North African countries has been, uh, been, a, they've been a very large market for some time. Places like Tunisia also receive lots of UK visitors. And these are sort of more beach, beach type holidays. But of course, as we progress south through the continent of Africa, then we're into all sorts of different holiday destinations and the safari 
interest and you know you've got great vineyards in the southern africa as well there's lots of different types of adventure holidays too that people are experiencing in all 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 uh, countries in sub-saharan africa so even though it takes a bit longer to get there i think for europeans in particular and americans you know the fact that it is long haul per se actually doesn't really matter too much now, as an emerging market here in Africa, and, and I'm looking, focusing obviously on South Africa, what is actually expected of the service providers when it comes to international travel? Are we sort of reaching expectations? Are we living up to what we, you know, we are saying we will do? Are we actually delivering? I think yes and no, I guess, is the short answer to that. And of course, it varies around the world, wherever you are. But we had an event last year, International Luxury Travel Market, last year in Cape Town. And there was a debate during the forum there about what's expected in terms of the service providers. Now, that event was really contained with luxury travel, where you have lots of high net worth individual travelers wanting real experience, but very high service levels, but also wanting a holiday which they felt was a responsible holiday, in other words, responsible tourism. So whilst they were high net, high net worth individuals spending lots of money, they also wanted their footprint on where they had been to be minimal. So, you know, they're very interested in the in sort of natural wonders they have, that they have come to see, but, but very much on their mind is not destroying the environment that they have come to see and, uh, and uh, leaving it in a pristine state when they, when they finish their holiday. Um, and I think in our events next year, of course, we will be discussing all these issues within South Africa itself and other countries in Africa. Of course, tourism is a key driver in job creation. It helps with the economy. There are issues, of course, with opening the skies into Africa in terms of different airlines. And I think our what our event will do will serve to provide a, a debate for all of this. Uh, all of these questions, but yes, you know, in generally, depending on the type of holiday, then uh, high levels of service are required, and there's no reason why the countries of Africa can't provide that, however. Well, Cape Town at the moment, we're really flying here with our convention business, and we, we seem to be growing that year by year, which is fantastic. And then next year, when you're going to be presenting the Africa Travel Week, it's also Cape Town is, the, is going to be design capital of the world next year. How, how does that impact on the desirability of Cape Town as a destination? Well, you know, the meetings industry, which I guess is what we're talking about to some extent when we're talking about the convention centre in Cape Town, uh, we also have a number of events in that sphere. And the convention business is hugely competitive and, and sought after. And it's brilliant that Cape Town is now the host of the World Design Capital 2014 because that will provide a lot of spin-offs to the city. In fact, I think when, when we measure the... the um, economic impact of these sorts of conventions versus leisure travel per head of delegate as it were it's the it's the meeting person that will actually contribute more to the local economy and of course with these events like IBTM Africa which is what we're bringing to Cape Town as part of Africa Travel Week these buyers are in fact meeting planners so they will be looking at Cape Town and the rest of Africa as a destination for their own events going forward so the impact of course also of these meetings events is not just on the impact of the delegates spend whilst they're in your city or in your country. It's also about knowledge transfer and how behaviours are changed amongst the local population. So, you know, many of the um, cities, are global cities around the world who are bidding for these big international conventions know it's not just the economic impact of the convention 
whilst it's in their city, but it's about the other long-term uh, legacies that they leave behind them, which is why everyone's you know, chasing that kind of business. It's a great thing to land in your city, one of these major international conferences. Now, I mentioned that Africa Travel Week was taking place here in Cape Town next year, April 28th to May the 3rd, 2014. Who exactly is going to be exhibiting there and what will be exhibited? Who can come along to have a look? How is it structured, Craig? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you for that. Well, first of all, I should say that these are all business-to-business events. They're not consumer events. But these are three events which we run in other parts of the world, which we're bringing under the label of Africa Travel Week. Many of your listeners, I dare say, if they're involved in the travel and tourism sector, will have heard of World Travel Market. Uh, It's an enormous event, and in terms of a global reach and footprint, most tourist boards in the world world are represented, and we are bringing World Travel Market Africa to Cape Town next year, as you mentioned. We also have a World Travel Market Latin America in Sao Paulo. We have Arabian Travel Market in Dubai, and we also have International French Travel Market in Paris. So these are these are this is a very well-known brand in the travel and tourism business-to-business sector. And on top of that, we're bringing IBTM Africa, which I mentioned before, and I mentioned one of its sister events before EIBTM. But we also have events called uh, called CIBTM in China, AIBTM in the US, GIBTM in the Middle East. AIM in Australia and IBTM India we had in Mumbai for the first time this year. So this is the meetings and events sector, which we refer to with uh, with the big conventions. And last but not least is ILTM Africa, which is International Luxury Travel Market Africa. This will be the second time we've brought this event to Africa. And this is the luxury travel market. So these three events take place, as you said, between April 28th and May the 3rd. IBTM and ILTM run concurrently, and then there's a small break before World Travel Market Africa takes place. And World Travel Market Africa is more on the leisure side, and the other two, as I said before, meetings and events and luxury travel. So effectively, a lot of overseas delegates will be coming into Cape Town and meeting our local travel entrepreneurs? That's true. We're bringing hosted buyers from all over Europe, the US and Asia for these these events and some from within Africa. These events are a World Travel Market Africa, IBTM and ILTM are for the whole of Africa, not, not just for South Africa, although they are based in South Africa. But yes, we'll be bringing hundreds of delegates from outside of Africa uh, as hosted buyers. So, so these are people that... Um, are buying product, we qualify them, we look to make sure that they are the right sorts of buyers and we will bring them into the show, into these events and they will have appointments um, with the suppliers from South Africa and other African nations. What kind of impact does an exhibition like this have on the continent? Because you know, obviously I'm sure a lot of these people are being exposed to things maybe for the first time, that they're coming here and, 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 and speaking to people that are possibly relatively new entrepreneurs in the tourism industry. They're literally, I mean, the impact must be enormous. I think it is, and uh, clearly I'm slightly biased in that. Oh, yes. I work for retravel, <laughs> work for retravel exhibitions, uh, but but the brands that we have, WTM, ILTM, IBTM, are very well known around the world, and I think it will create a lot of press activity during the events itself and before and after. There'll be a lot of the travel and tourism press and national press, international press, who are interested in in what's going on down there. For example, at World Travel Market London, we have CNN reporting live. We have the BBC. We have various other international TV stations because, you know, tourism is big business. And... um, you know, it provides a lot of economic benefit to local economies. 
And I think South Africa will, and the whole of Africa, will gain a lot from such a big event, not just during the show itself, but actually it will increase business going forward for the future. And that will be done um, you know, through the meetings between buyers and sellers, but also it will also highlight issues like responsible tourism, which we're, we're a keen proponent of, and it will help to serve the debate on lots of other issues as well. So you get lots of PR, lots of TV crews, lots of discussions on radio like this, I'm sure, lots of business as well, but also lots of debate amongst all the um, interested parties on the future of tourism in the continent. And that, that, that's, that's one of the things we, we try to facilitate here. Now, I'm asking now whether with the, de- the delegates that will be here, I'm sure they're not going to spend their whole time in the conference uh, situation. Are they going to be able to get out and explore the continent, explore some of those wonderful experiences that we offer here? Absolutely. For for some of our pre-qualified um, hosted buyers, they'll be offered, and we were working with local business, obviously with the city of Cape Town and Cape Town Tourism. Uh, we'll be looking to um, offer them pre- or post-show tours. So that's quite normal in many of our events that these buyers, pre-qualified buyers, that they go on tours of their choice because, you know, these, these these buyers are serious. They want to know what's good for their clients. So I am sure that the vast majority will take up that uh, that offer, which I'm sure will be forthcoming, whereby they will, um, you know, be able to look at various facilities and think how they might use these facilities for their own business going forward, whether that's on the tour operating side or whether that's from a meet- meeting side or whether that's luxury tourism. But yes, absolutely, they will be offered the opportunity to look around and uh, I am sure not one of them will spend their entire experience at uh, Africa Travel Week solely <laughs> within the facility doing business. I'm sure they want to get around and, and look and touch and feel and get an idea of what's, what the continent and South Africa has to offer. Now, the businesses that are exhibiting at Africa Travel Week, have can anybody apply? Do you, I mean, obviously, they'd need to be vetted and checked out, but have those sort of applications closed now or can people still apply to exhibit at the, at the Travel Week? No, no, they can, con- they can continue to apply. The event's not until late April, so there's still plenty of time. We're, we're getting a nice lot of bookings in, which is very uh, very encouraging from South African companies, but also from other African nations too, and from some outside of Africa who are, of course, looking for the outbound market, the increasing African middle class who either might choose to have their vacation within Africa, but actually they themselves are now going long haul out of Africa to uh, to experience other destinations. So, no, it's not too late to exhibit, and uh, we, we welcome any application. So, Craig, if people are still wanting to apply to exhibit at Africa Travel Week, uh, what do they do? Where do they go? First port of call would be the Africa Travel Week website, which is very straightforward. It's just africatravelweek, all one word, dot com, africatravelweek.com, and then there'll be taken to a page where they can click on to WTM Africa if they're in a leisure travel business or ILTM Africa if it's in the luxury travel business or IBTM Africa if they're in the meetings and events business. So africatravelweek.com. So quite simple if they're still wanting to exhibit whatever it is that they're doing here here or anywhere on the continent. Fabulous. Or as you said, you even have some from outside of the country or outside of the continent who are wanting to exhibit their outbound destinations, but that won't be from us, so that's them. But if you have something here that you'd like to exhibit, you can have a look at the website. I'll give out the address in a moment. Craig, thank you very much indeed for joining me on the show this evening and good luck with the with Travel Week next year. We will catch up with you again just before it happens to find out how it's all going and how the plans are working. And uh, we look forward to chatting with you again in the new year. Thank you so much for your time.
Thank you very much, Karen. That's very kind. Look forward to speaking to you in the near future. Thanks Thank very you. much. I was chatting there with Craig Moyes. He's the Portfolio Director for Reed Travel Exhibitions, and we were talking about Africa Travel Week, which is taking place in Cape Town next year from April the 28th to May the 3rd. And if you're interested in finding out more about Africa Travel Week, or if you're looking at possibly exhibiting at Africa Travel Week, take a look at the website. It's www.africatravelweek.com. And that's it for Time to Travel for this week. I'm Karen Key. Thanks for joining me this evening. And I'll be back with you next Monday evening just after nine with a law report when we'll be talking labour law with attorney Michael Bagram. That's the law report on Monday the 2nd of December. Well, Stephen Kirk is up next with some nighttime music.